Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Today, we're going to talk about the ending of relationships. Is there some magical, mystical right way to do that? And how long should it take to deal with the aftermath of a breakup? How long is the grieving process? And and how do you deal with the impact that your ex is still having on you after your relationship has ended? And how do you go through all that processing? Um, I mean, of course, you could write books, right, on the topic of ending a relationship. Um, but this episode has been something that's been on my mind, partly because of my own process that I've been going through, and also because I've seen this, these kinds of questions either get emailed to me or come up in the Relationship Alive community on Facebook uh, all the time, which is kind of like, how long should this take? And why is this agonizing? And what's up with my loser X who's doing X, Y, Z? Um, so I just figured let's let's take an episode here and tackle some of these larger questions and see if we can get into the uh, heart of the matter a little bit more. Um, so I mentioned the Facebook group. Don't forget that that exists where we're trying to create a safe space to talk about relationships, um, the Relationship Alive community. Um, you can also, if you haven't downloaded my free guide to um, my top three relationship communication secrets. These are simple things that you can put into practice that will help you have even the most challenging conversations, maybe even breakup conversations, um, with a little bit more ease and connectedness um, and safety. So to, do, to download that free guide, just visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And I do have a, th a full Secrets of Relationship Communication course that you can grab. It is available if you visit neilsatin.com slash course, and you can find out a little bit more about it. It is currently still in the beta state, um, but by the time you hear this episode, it may have moved, it may have transitioned into its final state. Um, but right now it's there and available for you. And it has three and a half hours of material divided up into small bite-sized chunks that you can just watch one at a time. And it's all focused on the things that you can do alone. They don't require your partner to do anything. They're the things that you can do to positively impact the level of communication and understanding and connection and hopefully intimacy that's happening in your relationship. So Neil satin.com slash course. And uh, lastly, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you um, for listening. And also those of you who have contributed to the podcast, I couldn't keep Relationship Alive going without your help. Um, so if you are finding the show to be helpful, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Every little bit counts. You can choose whatever feels right to you. And uh, I'm so grateful for your support. I'd also like to personally thank uh, Kimia, Jean, Ruthanna, Holly, Kent, Jenny, Sarah, Marie, Matthew, Timothy, Angie, David, and Allie. Thank you all so much for your generous and in many cases ongoing support of Relationship Alive. All right, let's dive into today's topic of breakups and grieving and, and how long should this whole process take anyway? There's a lot to unpack here because breakups are complex situations they can be super painful. And whenever anything is super painful, it is, you are not going to be operating at your best and your partner or your soon to be former partner will also be not, not be operating at their best. And yet I still think that for the most part, even in these situations, people are trying their best. Now trying your best in a painful situation may still not be very pretty. Uh, in fact, it may include some things that are really challenging. And so 
hopefully after today's show, you'll have a little bit more sense of perspective and what to expect and what's normal. And that will, if nothing else, give you some peace of mind, if not some direction in terms of how to handle this process, whether you're in it or maybe you know someone who's in it um, and you can forward this uh, episode to them or or give them some pointers um, or just be a, a strong support for them. And uh, or maybe there's something in from your past that's still haunting you and you're just wondering, you know, how long is this going to be in my in my sphere? How long is this going to be impacting me? So it's important because unless you are one of the lucky ones and I'm, I'm saying lucky with a hint of um, biting my tongue there, but there are definitely people I have friends, right, who they they are still with their high school sweetheart whom they married not long after high school um, and you know they still they went to college they maybe went to separate colleges and then got together and they have children together and I still I see their pictures on Facebook and I think you guys should be the ones with the relationship podcast <laughs> sometimes I actually do think that and and yet those people it's it can be tempting to think all right they have the special sauce um, that and we can all borrow from their recipe and sometimes that is true sometimes they are doing things that um, you know as John and Julie Gottman like to say that they're the things that the masters of relationship do and then there are things that the disasters of relationship do so it can be great to learn from them and unless you're one of them then you are bound to be going through at least one if not multiple breakups in your life and and those things stick with you. Those are experiences that that affect how we enter and are in our subsequent relationships. So it's important. It's important to to really give this some attention. Let's start with the that question of how long should the process take? How long does the process of of breaking up take? Well, the breakup itself can often be really quick. Maybe you're going through a long, thoughtful, conscious process with your partner, trying to figure things out and getting to a place where you're where you recognize that it's just not working. And and even then, that choice to finally call it quits can feel really abrupt and challenging. And and it happens you know, in a moment, at least initially it happens in a moment. And then, you know, sometimes it happens over and over again, right? With those, if you're in a, a situation where you are having trouble leaving the other person, um, you know, I've been in that situation where you break up and then you're actually still kind of together and you stay together for a while, maybe you even stay together for years. Uh, then you break up again, you know, those, those kinds of things can happen. So, as with some of the things that we're going to talk about today, there's actually no correct answer. There's no, oh, it should take this long and then you're done. And that's true for a few reasons. One is that unless you have some special secret that I don't know about, we don't live in an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind reality. Um, and in case you haven't seen that movie, which I don't necessarily recommend it, I saw it, it was it was horrible. I mean, I, I laughed, I cried, and in the end, I just got really angry. So um, I guess you could see it. it. It has some beautiful moments, but um, basically the, the premise in the movie, in case you haven't seen it, is the possibility of being able to erase someone from your mind when you uh, have gone through a painful experience and you just like need to get rid of them and and we can't do that like no matter what our experiences that we've had in our lives they live within us and those things can emerge at at any time really um it's likely that if you're someone who is really uh, in touch with your heart that when you first are going through a breakup, you're gonna feel it and you're gonna feel it a lot for probably at least the first three to six months, if not year, right? You, you will be feeling the impact of the loss 
um, there's something about that first year too, where you go through kind of all of the experiences that you would have shared with that other person. You go through them alone, or or maybe you go with them. You go through them with someone new. So you're going through all of these milestone moments, and your reference point to that moment, like the last time you celebrated a particular holiday or a birthday or or an anniversary or some momentous occasion was with your partner. And I think that it's almost inevitable that when that moment comes around again, there's that part of you that will be reflecting on where you were the year past. And if you're particularly nostalgic, like I can sometimes be, you might reflect on where you've been in years past. And then you get kind of the the, the litany of ways that your life has changed over the years. But if nothing else, that first year is probably going to be full of moments revisited. At least if you were with the person that you are breaking up with, if you were with them for at least a year, then that will give you at least a year's worth of potential uh, moments to revisit when you happen upon them again. That would be normal. That would be normal. And it would be normal to have moments in between those significant occasions when you're not thinking about them at all or where you're relieved to not be in the relationship, which by the way is also perfectly normal. It's perfectly normal because when you break up with someone, there's you're usually doing that because there's something that really doesn't feel right. And it could be a subtle, long-term just boredom that's set in, or it could be that things have gotten really tense and challenging. And so it would make sense for you to feel joy, relief, elation at some moments when you realize that you don't have to deal with that particular set of problems anymore. Now, there may be lasting effects from your experience with that person, like particularly if you have children together or maybe you're sharing custody of a pet or something like that. And so you have occasions to to be around them or to be in, in their sphere of influence or vice versa. Um, it could be that you're actually going to impact each other for a while, maybe the foreseeable future. Um, so get used to it. It's it's not necessarily easy. And what I like to do is, along with feeling those moments and just trying to be honest with myself about it. You know, if you heard my last episode about avoiding the negative bypass, it was all about this idea that sometimes things just suck and are hard. And it's actually okay. In, in fact, it's good for you to recognize that things are challenging because that way it can uh, validate the part of you that's not feeling good about whatever it is. And on top of that, um, it also gives you an opportunity to summon up the resourceful part of you that knows how to deal with things when they're challenging. So... In any case, you are likely to bump up against memories and experiences or um, different feelings associated with the ending of that relationship for a little while. And again, this can appear to be very different for different people. Like some people, they break up and a month later, they're fine and you'd never know. And it could be that those people truly are truly are fine and they just dealt with actually let's let's tackle that head on. What do you do with the ending of a relationship where you or the person that you're breaking up with is just totally fine and it feels like there's no grieving? Like what could be going on there? Um, well, for one, it could be that um, that you're avoiding challenging feelings. That could totally be part of what's going on. And that those feelings are still there and whether or not they ever get addressed or dealt with, who knows? Um, if you are the kind of person who doesn't like to let things go, meaning that 
where you're not going to just sweep things under the rug, where instead you you do intend to deal with the things that are coming up for you, then I think it's okay to avoid things at first because you're going to probably be in a lot of pain. Um, our, our partnership is a romantic partnership. A primary romantic partnership is one of our deepest adult attachments that can happen. So when you lose that, it impacts us. And they've done studies that show that it not only does it impact us, but it impacts us in the very same parts of our brain where we experience physical pain. And if you've ever gone through a particularly challenging breakup, you might have had that experience where you, it actually feels like your body is hurting and aching. And if that is the case, then actually avoiding that a, at least a little bit, it makes perfect sense. You gotta take care of yourself in these moments. And sometimes just facing head on into the fire is not the way to take care of yourself. Sometimes you wanna step back a little bit, give yourself time and space to nurture, to take care of yourself, to, to deal with uh, rehabilitating yourself after whatever experiences you had in that relationship. I don't know about you, but for me, when I come to the end of the relationship, what I've noticed is that I don't often feel like I'm at my strongest. In fact, I sometimes look at myself and I'm like, how did I even get here? I suddenly feel like a shadow of who I am. And, you know, and I made a series of choices that in retrospect make a lot of sense, but I mean, I can see how I got there, but you can also see pretty clearly ways that you made bad choices. And so I think overall, being able to circle your own wagons a little bit and take care of yourself and do a little healthy avoidance, I think it's okay. Now, I invite you in a moment like that to check in with someone. I've actually had a lot of clients who come to me around a breakup, um, and it becomes a good way for them to just get kind of that anchor of support and that tether to reality that life is going to be okay in the end. And, and I'm also there to not let you totally numb out and lose sight of the ways that you're feeling pain. But but we can also kind of gracefully meet the pain and um, and you can have support in dealing with it rather than just like throwing yourself into the deep end of, of misery or numbing out and avoiding so completely that you never get a chance to get the beautiful healing and growth that can come from a breakup. That being said, it's possible that you're, that you're not avoiding um, anything. It could be that you did a fair amount of processing and an actual grief work and dealing with challenging emotions over the course of the relationship and particularly leading up to the end of the relationship. So it could be that when you finally get to the end, you've already hit escape velocity. Like you, you've done the work that you needed to do and you're pretty much good to go. And you're like, thank you for this experience. Uh, I'm out, I'm out of here. And, um, that can be particularly challenging if you're feeling that way and your partner or former partner isn't feeling that way or vice versa, right? It's hard to be on the other end of that. Like if you're sitting there feeling miserable and your partner um, seems to be doing just fine and in fact, they're going about their daily life, they seem happier than they've ever been. Maybe they start another relationship and it can be, really easy to see that and be like, what the heck is going on? Like they must, they must not have really cared about me or something, or maybe I didn't care about them if, if that was easy for me. Well, so I want to suggest that first that, um, the, that there, it is possible to do grieving and grief work before you've gotten out of the relationship. So if someone, if you or someone appears to be just fine, 
it could be that you are more or less just fine because you've gone through the hard work and processing and only you know for yourself if that is true for you. Maybe you've been seeing a coach or a counselor. Maybe you've been talking to close friends. Maybe you've been doing a lot of journaling and getting really clear on what's going on for you. It could be that you you got to that, okay, I guess we're done moment and um, and then you were fine, more or less. And you'll probably still feel glimmers of grief that will come up around milestone moments like I like I was suggesting before or you know in ways where it's actually impossible to do all of your grieving work in in a relationship some of it is probably going to come up when you face things like being alone or face things like a pattern of yours that has stuck with you even though you ended the relationship, right? Because you can feel like, oh, I'm getting out of this relationship, I'm gonna escape all the things that were horrible, only to find out, oh, wow, like some of those things, I, I'm bringing them with me, or here I am experiencing, experiencing it again, or where it's a big question mark, where you're not sure why you experienced it in the first place. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Because that's super important stuff um, to orient yourself around how you mine your painful experiences for things of value and how you also avoid getting caught up in whatever it is that your former partner is doing. Uh, in fact, you know, that's one of those things where if you find yourself making it about you, like, oh, th whatever they're doing, they must not have, they must not have really cared about me or they must not have really loved me. Then, I mean, I suppose on some level that could be true, but most likely it's not true. So if you find yourself taking whatever their actions are personally, then I suggest that you take that as an opportunity to use some kind of constructive self-talk and to just talk yourself back into like, no, whatever, they're doing whatever they need to do to take care of themselves through what I'm imagining they're experiencing as some sort of painful moment. And whatever they need to do to deal with that, like that is what it is. Sure, maybe it tells me something about them. But I have to say that if you find yourself saying that it's telling you something about them and, you, and you're delivering that, those words with like spite and ire and how it like justifies you having been a victim or something like that, then my guess is that you're probably missing what it's actually really telling you about them and turning it into an opportunity to, to judge them. Um, which, you know, maybe is helpful. Maybe it's helpful for making sense of the situation. Um, but I think that that level of judgment actually kind of robs you of deeper, deeper truths and deeper healing that's possible for you. Uh, again, I'm going to talk more about that in a moment because it's super important um, so that you don't get all caught up in the ways that you're thinking about the other person and that being an obstacle to your own healing. I think like that I saw one person ask this question about the length of grieving because they were puzzling over their partner having um, or their former partner like being in a new relationship and being really happy and wondering what that meant and um, you know how does that make sense and why are they able to do that where I'm not able to do that um, the timeline of grief is different for different people now, you want to be sure that you're not just getting stuck there in your grief, that you're taking on what you need to take on to find your strength, to find your healing, to be able to move on so that you can live your life however you want to. Maybe you want to just be solo from now on. Maybe you want to find love again with a new person. Um, whatever it is, I want you to be able to do that from a place that feels um, clean and strong. And that's what this is about this episode today. So if you feel like you're just stuck in grief and you're not getting anywhere, then that's also a sign that you may need to take more care of yourself. 
Um, and there may be opportunities for you to ask different questions than you're currently asking yourself, uh, more empowering questions that can actually help get you unstuck when you're feeling stuck. So I need to take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsors. And afterwards, we are going to tackle the, the questions of how to kind of maximize your healing through the grieving process uh, and also what it means when you can't stop focusing on your partner or your former partner and what they are doing. And, uh, and also let's talk about the question of when it's right, when it's the right time to look for a new relationship. So all of that after we talk about today's sponsors. So with our first sponsor, uh, as I've mentioned before, I believe that it's really key to use more natural products. And that being said, even with natural products, performance matters. They have to do their job, which for your deodorant is to keep you smelling fresh all day. And that's one reason why I'd like to recommend that you check out Native Deodorant. Now with the holiday season right around the corner, we're all getting into the spirit by indulging in the sights and the sounds and the smells of the season. So I decided to try something new. And even though I tend to get their unscented variety of deodorant, I decided to try out Native's Candy Cane holiday scent. I mean, I wear teal colored glasses. Why not try out the candy cane deodorant? Um, it's pleasantly and mildly minty. And then it also has these orange citrusy overtones because it also has bergamot in it. So lately, I guess you could say I've been smelling delicious. Now, native deodorant doesn't just block odor better, it's made better with ingredients you've heard of like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. And they also never use ingredients like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. And uh, their candy cane gift set also makes for a great gift option. And all the native products are actually great holiday gifts and stocking stuffers for everyone on your list. Don't forget that Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U.S., plus free 30-day returns and exchanges. They're pretty confident that you're going to like the way you smell. After all, they have more than 14,000 five-star reviews. So give the gift of Native by going to nativedo.com slash alive, or use the promo code alive at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Make sure you order before December 7th to get your products in time for Christmas. That's nativedeo.com slash alive, nativedeo.com slash alive, or use the promo code alive at checkout. Now, if you're looking for some extra support, around things that are getting in the way of your happiness or achieving your goals, or if you're dealing with a breakup, one great way you can do that from the comfort of your own home or office or anywhere really is BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can chat via text with your counselor at any time, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without having to go anywhere. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who qualify. They also offer a broad range of expertise so that you can find the person most suited to helping you with your own unique situation. In fact, so many people are using BetterHelp that they've been recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So whether it's depression, stress, anxiety, a breakup, family conflicts, whatever is up for you, try out BetterHelp to help you move past the places where you are stuck. To start living a happier life today, you can try BetterHelp and you can get an extra 10% off your first month as a Relationship Alive listener. Just visit betterhelp.com alive and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash alive. And thank you to Native and BetterHelp for your support 
of the Relationship Alive podcast. Now let's get back to our conversation about breakups and how to best deal with them, what to expect. So the grieving process when you break up, it, it can look different for everyone. In some respects, there is no normal. Some people are elated. Some people are depressed. Some people go out and date someone else right away. Some people stay solo for years. There's really no right or wrong way to do it. And it's easy to assume that if your former partner is doing something different than what you're doing, then there's something either wrong with you or wrong with them. And I want to encourage you to feel like there's probably nothing wrong with either of you. You're probably both just doing what you have to do. Uh, it can look different. It can, And what someone shows you on the outside is often a lot different than what they are experiencing on the inside. And I'm sure you know that to be true for yourself as well. Um, it can be different if you are the one who got broken up with if it wasn't mutual versus uh, being the breakupper, the one who does the breaking up. But but each of those has their own thing. Like sometimes if you're the one who's doing the breaking up, then you have this deep sense of guilt or like maybe you should have just given it one more try or, um, you know, it can be easy to second guess yourself in a situation like that. Whereas if you got broken up with, then you might feel more powerless or more victimized or more like you didn't have a choice in the matter. In fact, those stories that we tell ourselves, those are quite important when it comes to determining where you go from here. Are the stories that you tell yourself, are they going to be empowering or are they going to perpetuate your feeling like a victim? And there are some ways that I've seen people in breakup that are definitely uh, impairing their ability to find their own empowering stories. One of those is by focusing on labeling your partner. So I did have an episode about narcissism. This is episode number 156 with Craig Malkin. And... I think it can be pretty common as we try to make sense of the ending of our relationship to want to figure out whatever it was about our partner that was messed up. And we can often find ourselves uh, in, a, in a rush to make sense of things. We can find ourselves labeling the other person or even worse, diagnosing the other person. So the thing is, if the other person has never been diagnosed as like a narcissist or having borderline personality disorder or being uh, depressed, then I'm not sure how valuable it is for you to put that label on them. Because no matter how much you read or if you if you open the DSM and look at all the characteristics of a particular mental illness, um, it may or may not actually be true. Typically, those kinds of things are best handled by that person in relationship with their therapist. Now, maybe it will help you make sense of certain aspects of what happened. But in general, I think that those diagnoses and labels can, in this kind of situation, end up becoming a trap for you, where you feel like, oh, well, the problem is, the problem was that my partner was blah, 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 whatever they were. And then that leads you down a totally different kind of road of figuring out how you will respond in situations differently in the future than if you were uh, fully looking at the situation from a place of being empowered. So what do I mean by that? I don't want to just keep it hypothetical. So let's say, for instance, that you decide that your partner uh, was depressed. They were depressed. And then you look back on the relationship and you think, okay, um, my partner was depressed and, well, that was the problem with the relationship. Like, I'm, I'm just never going to get involved with a depressed person again. Well, while that might be a, 
a sound choice on some level. There are lots of people who struggle with depression who end up being just fine and getting through it and being perfectly capable of having relationships um, while they're depressed and after they're depressed. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily the best criteria, um, but I can understand you wanting to not be with people who are clinically depressed, especially if they're not getting any sort of help for that depression. Um, but it's kind of missing the boat. If you look deeper into the relationship, you might see ways where your depressed partner, like let's say they never wanted to go out and do anything. Um, and so you, because you wanted to be a good partner, you said, okay, like I'm, like we won't go do anything. And then over time, you start to resent your partner because you're never going out and doing anything and, and you miss being social, being connected with other people and you're unable to because of your partner's depression. So in that situation, you might be tempted to say, well, next time, you know, I'm never gonna let my partner's depression control me. Um, well, that's also really valuable and you can take it a little bit deeper. So as an example of that, I might ask myself, what was going on with me such that I wasn't able to draw a boundary around my partner's desire to stay home alone all the time or to, to be home all the time and my desire to be out with friends? What was going on with me that I was willing to ignore my needs for connection? and friendship. What kept me from taking a stand? Now we're getting into the more generative questions and I hope you can see how these questions are actually more empowering because you're looking at how you can take responsibility for the choices that you made in your relationship. It doesn't absolve your partner of ways that they were not the best partner, whether they were depressed or borderline, angry, narcissistic, liars, whatever it was. Like, there's a lot to unpack there. But the more that you can look at the situation and say, okay, why did I make the choices that I did? How come that seemed like the best choice for me at the time? And what does that say about how I view the world? What does that say about how I view men, how I view women, how I view the world and my relationship to the world that I was willing to show up that way? Now you're getting closer to the story within you that is part of uh, the, the narrative of your life and why you make some of the choices that you make. These are important questions to answer because that way when you are in the next relationship that you're in, should you be in another relationship, you won't feel powerless when something happens with your partner that you don't necessarily like. You won't see your partner drawing a boundary around something that's important to them and suddenly say, oh my gosh, they're a narcissist. They All they think about is themselves and so I'm out of here, right? There might be some more nuance to what's going on there. They might be making a boundary um, in a way that's actually quite healthy and you need to have a way of determining whether that's the case or not. And the way that you do is by diving into the ways that you've given away your power in relationships and taking it back for yourself. Again, this isn't to say that there are things that you may in fact be the victim of some, some shitty choices that your partner made. So this isn't to say that you're okay, or that like all of that should be fine, or that you shouldn't be angry, or you shouldn't want um, an apology, or whatever it is. Like those things, that's, that's true too, that's fine too. However, if you stop there, then you're going to miss the even more valuable growth that you get by saying, okay, and that sucked, but what kept me there? 
what kept me coming back for more? Why did I make that choice? And, and what story is that an example of me telling about myself in the world? You know, a classic one is, is a story like I'm not important or I'm not worthy, right? And, and so I show up in relationship in ways that um, mirror this idea that I'm not worthy. Because if I were worthy, why would I, why would I expect someone to, um, to take what I want, what my, what my needs are, into consideration? And then we make a whole series of choices that, in the end, uh, leave us wondering why we weren't considered or why we weren't treated as if we were worthy. And it it's possible that we weren't treating ourselves that way. Whereas if you are someone who believes that you are important and that what you want and need matters, then you may make very different kinds of choices when it comes to the relationships that you're in. A lot of this that I'm talking about now does come from uh, conscious uncoupling work, uh, the work of Catherine Woodward Thomas. She's been on the show a bunch of times. Uh, if you go to neilsatin.com slash KWT, I think you can do KWT, KWT two, three, four. I think she's been on the show four times now. Um, there's a lot there about her work and, and how transformative it can be around our grief. In the end, your own inner why is way more important than someone else's why. Uh, way more important than trying to figure out what was going on with your partner. It's crucial that you figure out what was going on with you. When you're trying to figure out what was going on with your partner, that is likely going to be a mixture of speculation and projection. Now, there's not much, much that you can do about your speculation unless you're able to actually sit down and have an honest conversation with them. And you can ask them, like, this is my story about what happened with us or what was going on with you. Is that true? And if you have that, that kind of um, ability to communicate with them, you know, maybe when some of the charge of having broken up is gone, then you might get some real answers. And that could be helpful and could help you make even more sense of what happened. Uh, projection, on the other hand, is an interesting thing um, in that it can lead you to some really profound insights about yourself. So if you find yourself labeling your partner, your former partner, it's funny how I keep saying that. If you, if you find yourself labeling your former partner or diagnosing them or whatever it is about them, just try for size asking yourself, in what ways was I whatever that thing is? And just see if there's anything there. Now, there may be nothing. If you find yourself getting really angry that I'm asking this question, then that's a clue that there might actually be something there. Now, perfect example, like if you, for instance, if you said, in which way was I, like my partner, they were so self-centered. Well, in what ways was I self-centered in my relationship? If you can come up with a whole list of ways that you were self-centered, that is huge and powerful because for one thing, you're being honest with yourself and it could be that those ways of being self-centered were also detrimental to your relationship. Um, it could be that they're totally fine, but at least you're dealing with reality, right? You're not like pretending that you're perfect and that your partner wasn't and that the reason that everything combusted is because your partner wasn't perfect. Um, now, it could be that your partner also was self-centered in some ways. So again, this isn't to negate the ways that they were or that you experienced them as being self-centered. And maybe that's an important distinction too. I experienced you as being depressed. I experienced you as being angry, angry and hostile. Um, just to, again, recognize that you don't, you don't really know what was going on with them, but what you do know for sure is what your experience of them was like. And if it's true that I experienced you as angry and hostile all the time, then it's worth my asking myself, why was I willing to tolerate that? 
for as long as I was and getting at the truth of that. And maybe what will I do next time that I'm with someone who is self-centered or angry and hostile or lies to me? It's also, also worth asking yourself, in what ways did I contribute to this thing, whatever it is, happening? Again, it's not to say that you are 100% responsible for whatever happened, but we're always talking about relationships being a dance, right? So if it's 2% you, figure out what your 2% is. In what ways did I contribute to this situation being the way that it was, to it unfolding the way that it did? All right, so those are some, some of my thoughts on why it's better to focus your, your questions on yourself and your own healing, your own motivations, your own boundaries, and, uh, and not to worry so much about what, what is going on with your partner, um, your former partner. It's so funny. Finally, let's just talk for a moment about this question of whether or not you should see other people. When is it time to do that? Can you do it authentically? Can you do it with integrity? These are the kinds of questions that you should be asking yourself. Um, or ask yourself, how would I know when I was ready to see other people? So can you be honest about where you're at? And I wanna tell you that there's no wrong answer here. Um, sometimes it's right to take space. Sometimes it's right to dive in. Um, I will say that when I look back over my history, I think that uh, in the past, I, I plunged deep into relationships probably before I was truly ready. Now, that being said, there, is, there can be things that are really healing about connecting with other people. And in fact, in my recent experience with, uh, with breaking up, um, there were things that were really super special about connecting with someone new, with a new perspective where you're not trapped, right? In the story of who you are and who a partner is and how it all works. Um, that's what we do when we're in relationships. We are, we are mutually creating a world and it can feel like your world is the world. And then when you break up, it's really confusing because, well, for one thing, most of us don't want to create a world that has this big rupture, this, this apocalypse happening in it. So it's disorienting, if not more. And, and it can be really challenging to make sense of yourself and who you are, who you are in relation to other people. So I found it really quite healing, actually, to to be with a new person and to talk to them about my experience. And, you know, I think it's helpful if you are dating someone um, fresh after a breakup to be really clear with them that you did just have a go through a breakup and you're, you're going through your own process of grieving. And I think if you're upfront with someone about that, so they understand what is possibly going on, then that's kind of like the best you can do you know, is to be honest and clear and upfront. And I found that by doing that and sharing some of my story, there was a lot of healing in that. Now, granted, I could only share my perspective. And in fact, when I did share my story, I tried to be really generous um, and to, to always, as much as possible, attribute the best possible intent and motives to my former partner and to talk about ways that I was trying to make sense of myself and my own actions and why I did what I did and the choices that I made. And I found that it was really helpful to have the perspective of someone new, someone who's trying to get to know me, someone who's trying to understand me, and someone who doesn't have the baggage of a, of a history with me to hear something uh, at least moderately objectively and, uh, and to be a good mirror and reflect back what they heard, what they heard that maybe does give them pause 
Like, oh yeah, if you did that in our relation in a relationship with me, that would be really hard for me. Or maybe it helps them, it helps you make sense of things because they're able to see things and say, oh yeah, this makes total sense because X, Y, Z, and you see things in a way that you hadn't even seen before. Or you see, or even you just see that someone new sees the world in a completely different way than your former partner did. And you recognize, oh, all of this is totally subjective. What's right and wrong, what's desirable, what's not desirable, what's meant to be savored, what's meant to be cast away, all of that is totally subjective and based on the person. It's based on the person. I find that to be really healing. And for me personally, um, I did some of that. And then I found that I, I really needed space. And, I, and I've taken a lot of space for myself to just deal with my stuff. And I've talked about that here on the show as well. So I think if you're able to be honest with the other person, and if you're able to be honest with yourself and to not try to do more than you are ready to do, and instead to just use it as an opportunity to be totally present with this other new person and with yourself and your experience, to be more real than you've been before, to be more authentic than you've been before, to be more honest than you've been before, and to experiment with demanding that from the other person and see how it goes. And you'll know, you'll know when you bump up against something where you're like, oh, I think I need a little space or, oh, I'm not quite ready for this. And you'll know if you need to take a lot of space for that or if that's something that you can work through with this other person. So I hope that's helpful. I don't think there's any reason to judge yourself or other people uh, for decisions that we make when we go through grieving. And hopefully if you are just trying to be kind to yourself and considerate toward the other person as much as you can and to not take things personally that they do, then things won't get aggravated and things won't escalate. And you'll find your way to that place in grieving where you accept what happened. You've dealt with the demons of your relationship. You've celebrated the joys of your relationship and you've found a way to make meaning out of what happened. And you're moving forward in your life with whatever is next. That's what I want for you. I hope this has been helpful. It's been really lovely to spend this time with you. Um, this has been a hard one for me. It's, it's really been on my mind for weeks and weeks now. I've wanted to share some of these thoughts with you, uh, but getting them to a place where I felt ready to talk to you about it, it took some time. So I hope you can appreciate that I'm going through my own process here as well in being able to, to bring you the best information that I can about how to do relationship, how to do life and ourselves, how to do breaking up as best we can. I will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, take care. If you have questions for me on the show, you can always reach out. Just send your questions to questions at relationshipalive.com. All right, take care.